Good morning. Today is Monday, March 14th, 2022. On every Jewish holiday, every Yom Tov, we say Hallel. Hallel is a prayer of praise and thanks for the miracles, the celebration of that holiday. We say Hallel for the exodus from Egypt, for the splitting of the Red Sea, for the revelation at Sinai, for the protection in the desert. We say Hallel for Hanukkah. The only holiday on which we do not say this prayer Hallel is Purim. Why don't we say Hallel on Purim? So the Gemara asks this question, the Talmud asks, and the Talmud says, Mikra Megillah hi Hallel. The reading of the Megillah stands in the place of saying Hallel, which seems like a very strange answer because the Megillah, Megillah's Esther, the book of Esther, tells the story of Purim, but nowhere in that book is there any praise. Nowhere is there any thanks. In fact, Famously, God's name is not even mentioned in the book of Esther. So how can it be a form of Hallel? Rabbi Kalatsky shares this approach, and it goes as follows. Purim is, of course, a holiday, a celebration of the events that occurred to Mordechai and to Esther, and to Achashverosh, and to Haman, and the Jews of Shushan, etc. at that time. But Purim is much more than that. Because Purim marks the transformation from one era of Jewish history to a very different era of Jewish history in which we find ourselves still all these years later. And that is the reason this transformation affects us directly. And Purim is not only at the crossroads of these two eras, it's not only the moment of this transition, but Purim contains the lessons of how to adapt to this new reality and how to navigate this new era, new then, but in which we still find ourselves. So the lessons from Purim that we are to learn are particularly relevant to us today. From the very beginning of the Torah until Purim, which occurs just after the destruction of the first temple, the first base of Mikdash, God acts in an open manner. There are open miracles. The flood at the time of Noah, the destruction of the city of Sodom, Exodus from Egypt, splitting of the Red Sea. And then even after the five books of the Torah, five books of Moshe in the works of the prophets, there were miracles that occurred. In the first temple, the Beit HaMikdash, the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, there were open miracles that occurred every day until Purim. The Talmud says, 
Esther Menatora Minayan, where in the Torah is Esther and her story alluded to? It is alluded to in a verse in the Torah where God says to the Jewish people in the book of Devarim in Deuteronomy, Anochi haster aster ponai bayom hahu. There will come a time, God says, where I will hide my face from you. I will be hidden. I will be present, but not visible. I'll be hidden. The word Esther is related to that word haster, to be hidden. There will be a time, starting with Purim, when there are no more prophets, no more open miracles. God is just as active. God is just as involved, but hidden. Usually we don't see it. You can read every verse of Megillus Esther, the book of Esther, and each one by itself seems natural. It's a coincidence. Only when you step back and see the whole story as is it obvious that every detail, quietly, behind the scenes, is orchestrated by God. No less than the splitting of the Red Sea. Just hidden. Perhaps the strongest demonstration of this is the name of this holiday. We say in the Megillah, Ki Haman tsorer kol ha-Yehudim, chashav al ha-Yehudim labdam, Haman, the enemy of the Jews, wanted to destroy the entire Jewish people, v'hipil pur hu ha-Gorol, and he cast lots, which was what the word pur means in Persian or Aramaic, to decide when he wanted to destroy them and wipe them out. al and therefore, for that reason, we call this holiday Purim al-Shem Hapur, because of the lottery. Now, that's really curious because on the surface, it seems like a rather minor detail of the overall story. Uh, the role of Esther, the role of Mordechai, the downfall of Haman, and we focus on the detail of how Haman decided on which date to do it, which came through a lottery. Why is how Haman decided worthy of becoming the name of the entire event, the entire episode? seems like a relatively minor detail. But in fact, it elevates and emphasizes the crucial central theme of Purim. There's a verse in Mishlei, Proverbs. Becheik yutal esagoro. Pay close attention to a lottery. Mehashem kol mishpato. Every decision comes from God. A lottery appears to be random. Whatever is chosen appears to be a coincidence. It's natural. But listen, please, carefully to the words of the Malbim on this verse in Mishlei. Yesh dvarim 
There are many things that happen in this world that appear to us to be mikra, coincidence. It just happened that way. But actually, they are directly intended to happen by God. In other words, there is no such thing as coincidence. That's koach hagoro, the force of what appears to be random, the power of what appears to be coincidence. There's no such thing. It's from God. It appears to be random. It appears to be coincidence because we're living in this era of Hester Panim where God's presence is hidden, but it is no less active. That's the theme of Purim. There is no coincidence. Because, of course, when you read it on the surface, is it a coincidence that Ahasuerus happened to have a queen named Vashti and she happened to upset him and there happened to be a man named Haman who advised the king to get rid of her? Is it a coincidence that two men, Big Son and Seresh, were overheard plotting against the king and Mordechai heard them and reported that and his the recollection of his good deed was remembered at exactly the crucial moment where Nadadash Nasamelech was it a coincidence that on that night Ahasuerus's sleep was disturbed and he happened to want to read about the good deeds of Mordechai and exactly at that moment Haman happened to come in the middle of the night to ask Ahasuerus to hang Mordechai all of these incidents by themselves appear to be coincidences But of course, the theme of Purim is that what appears to be a coincidence is not. May Hashem call Mishpato. Everything that happens, happens at God's hand. Purim is the beginning of this era. It's the beginning of the second temple period during which those overt miracles did not occur. The period when the era of prophecy has come to an end the beginning of the era of our exile. Even though there was a second temple period, but even during that second temple period, the majority of Jews remained in exile. And certainly after the destruction of the temple, until today, the majority of the world's Jews are outside of Israel. And even is in Israel, we are in this state of exile. We're in this era still from the time of Purim till today of Hester Panim, of God's face being hidden. But there are no coincidences. We may not see it. We may not understand it. But there is a plan. There are decisions. There is action on the part of God. But it's within the context of Koach Hagorol, that which appears to us to be random, to be coincidence, but in fact is not. Rabbi Yosef Kalatsky explains that Hallel is a prayer where we express our thanks and our praise of God for the miracles that he has done. But on Purim, we read the Megillah 
And when we read the Megillah, we should see the hand of God in a hidden manner, the hand of God through what appears to be coincidence. And it is by appreciating that it is in fact the hand of God, though it appears to be coincidence, that is precisely the praise that we are to offer on Purim. For what God does for us in a manner that is hidden. In other words, the, reading the Megillah is, takes the place of Hallel because it is the Nistar version. It is the hidden version of Hallel in keeping with the Nistar theme of Purim, the hiddenness of God that's exemplified during Purim. As I mentioned, we are still living in this era of Hester Panim, initiated by Purim, which means that the lessons of Purim are more important and applicable to us now than ever before. We've discussed before this famous comment of the Rambam, Maimonides, with which he ends his section on the laws of Purim. He writes as follows, Call Sifrei Hanavim, in the Messianic era, we will have no need for the books of the prophets or the writings because they discuss various travails and difficulties that the Jewish people encountered. Once the Mashiach comes, once the Messianic era is here, we will have no use for them. Chutz, except for Megillus Esther, the book of Esther. And even though all of the memories of previous negative events and sad times and challenges and difficulties, that will all be wiped out. We don't need to remember any of that stuff. We don't need to remember the wars and the pogroms and the Holocaust. Once Mashiach comes, that's all behind us. Except for Purim. Yimei hapurim lo yibatlu. Purim, we will always need, even when Mashiach comes, even in the Messianic era. Shinemar, we say this in the Megillah itself. Vimeha Purim ha'ela, these days of Purim, lo yavru yehudim, will never pass, will never become obsolete from Jewish life, from what we as Jews need to know. V'zichram lo yosuf mizarom, and the memory of Purim will never pass from our descendants. Why? What does Purim teach us that could be so relevant even after the Messianic era arrives? Rabbi Yitzchak Kutner explains it in the following way. Imagine two individuals are given an assignment. Identify your friend in the dark. One receives a flashlight. The other does not. The other is compelled to identify his friend by listening to the voice, hearing the walk, sensing the presence. The one with the flashlight does a better job and can identify his friend much more quickly and much more accurately. 
Because seeing a person is a much better way to identify them than just listening or sensing. But the second person, without the flashlight, had to develop a unique talent by training his ears, his senses. He developed a greater sensitivity and the next morning when the sun is shining and the first person puts out his flashlight, his special ability has also been extinguished. It doesn't remain. But the second person has developed a talent, has developed a sensitivity that will be useful and helpful even when the sun is shining. That talent, that ability, that sensitivity will remain even when the need has passed. The person with the flashlight can be compared to our major holidays. They remind us of God's presence through the miracles that occurred of the exodus from Egypt, the splitting of the Red Sea, etc. And even later in history, one jar of oil that lasted for eight days. Purim represents the person who had the flashlight. There are no miracles. Everything that happens is seemingly unconnected and insignificant by itself. Purim teaches us to cultivate this skill to recognize God's hand even when it is concealed. To attune ourselves to God's presence even in the darkness. And that's why of all the holidays, the lesson of Purim is the most applicable to us in our day and gives us the talent the sensitivity that will be with us for all time in the future. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I hope you have a wonderful upcoming Purim. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.